Welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 142. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Funny story, this is actually my second recording of this part of the episode. I was recording earlier this morning, I had Audacity up, the recording was running, I could see the sound levels, I could see the the recording progressing, everything was cool, I got all done recording, I told everybody to go play some old games, I played the awesome music at the end that everybody loves, and went to play back uh, the beginning of the recording and it was just gone. Like, the first 15-18 minutes, just gone. Poof. The rest of the recording was there, but not so much the first part. So I laughed and laughed. Oh, oh, that's hilarious. Um, So I am recording the first portion of this episode again. Somewhere in the middle of me telling you how to play this week's game, there is a switch between me talking now and me talking earlier this morning. So, you know, for fun, see if you can spot where that moment happens, where, where the moment of the changeover is. It's a very time-distorted episode, two different time periods in the same episode, which is fitting because as this episode is being recorded, I am within about an hour and a half of seeing the premiere of the new season of Doctor Who. Why is this a big deal? Well, in the grand history of the world, it's probably not. But it is, in a way, a big deal because for the first time in 55 years, the character of the Doctor, sort of an iconic superhero-ish type character is being played by a woman. There's been a whole slew of white guys, white males, playing this character, and now it's going to be a woman playing for the first time, to the great joy of many and to the consternation of a few. Uh, I'm very excited about it. I'm excited to have new Doctor Who in any form, but this makes it particularly exciting. I'm looking forward to that. i got to hurry up and finish this and hopefully actually get a recording done so that I can go watch and... I'm eager, if any of you are Doctor Who fans, to hear your thoughts. As this episode is going out, see, uh, episode 2 of season 11 goes up. If you have thoughts about that as well, because by the time you are responding with your thoughts, I will have already seen episode 2, and you won't be spoiling anything for me. All right. Well, why don't we get on to, as we always do, another strange alien creature, this guy. Gonna prove that the world is flat. In his rocket ship, or else he'll go splat. He's Mad Mike Hughes. Mad Mike Hughes. So, Mad Mike, I I read a few more pages of the Mad Mike biography, The Tall Old Tale, and uh, I'm going to have to put the book down. I I would have thrown the book across the room, except that it's on my Kindle. So, I, you know, I pay a lot of money for that. I don't really want to throw it around. He is wandering farther and farther from the topic of, you know, exploration and science and you know, learning new things. He, he, well, I say science. He, he's, he is very upfront about the fact that he's not a scientist. He's just a curious guy. Uh, he has some technical skills and he does a lot of reading. All good stuff. But now he's starting to wander in uh, farther away from the whole, I want to prove the earth is flat thing. I want to be the first guy to, you know, first amateur to build a, a homemade rocket and blast up into space. He's starting to get into stuff like, well, here, for example, 
Now you think about this, sir. I'm quoting now. This is ostensibly Mad Mike talking. Now you think about this, sir. Seven years after 9-11, people in this country voted for a person with a Muslim name, Barack Hussein Obama. Now you figure that one out. Everything's an act. All the stuff with this de facto government is an act. We were all declared enemies of the state in 1933 by Franklin Delano Roosevelt when he called in all the gold. So the last thing you want to be is a United States citizen. That's the very last thing you want to be. And, you know, we're told things when we're young. It's like, okay, the sun is 93 million miles away. Okay, that's cool. You're eight years old. What the hell do you know? And then the moon is 238,000 miles away. Okay. And we live in this big conglomerate thing. And okay. And you think this isn't even possible. Our world is not spinning at 1,038 miles an hour at the equator. It ain't happening. But you're told things, and you just accept them, and you think, okay, that's just the way it is. Yeah, so the book's kind of going there. I, I'm, I think I'm going to stop reading this book. But, for the record, let's see what Matt Mike's up to on Facebook. The banner on his Facebook page now is Mike Hughes for Governor 2018. His tagline is, Make a difference. Waste the vote. On October 4, he posted a link to an article, which I honestly have not read. But the, the headline of the article is, California is first state to require women on corporate boards. Mad Mike's post on this is, this is not what America is supposed to stand for. To force a company to make a choice not based on abilities, but based on sex is pathetic. This clown show has, waste, has gone on long enough, and he has the hashtag wasted2018. They want to make a joke of this state. Let's show them how funny it can be. So it sounds more and more like he is trying to be a write-in candidate for governor in California. And that's all lovely. But this guy is more and more cashing in on his I guess 15 minutes of fame and uh, I don't know I'm becoming less enamored with the whole Mad Mike thing the farther he gets away from uh, the rockets and the flat earth thing the less interested I'm becoming so unless we get some rockets pretty soon I think I'm going to abandon the Mad Mike update segment of this show if any of you guys would like to take it over after in the next couple of weeks if nothing changes be my guest but I yeah I, I, I don't feel like giving this guy to the extent that this show gives anybody any publicity for anything i'm becoming less excited about giving this guy any publicity so on that happy note let's close the book this week anyway on the mad mike hughes update gonna prove that the world is flat in his rocket ship or else he'll go splat he's mad mike hughes mad mike Alright, let's cleanse our palates, shall we? And talk about this week's game. This week's game is... At last, what you've never seen, never heard, never felt in a video game. Star Master for the Atari video computer system. Chart and challenge. Warp, but wait. Fight and fight again. Retreat to refuel. Star Master from Activision, 1982. We do love us some Activision around here. As always, the Activision manual on the front cover has a little blurb to give you an idea what you're in for in this game. You are alone in space. A critical and difficult mission awaits you. Carefully read these instructions. Commit them to memory. Then study the power of Star Master. It will help instruct you in the ways of advanced space combat. And then, perhaps someday, you can attain the level of Supreme Star Master. We're using the joystick for this one. There are four game levels that you can select. E for Ensign, where there are nine enemy starfighters, and the meteors and enemies move at nominal speed. 
L for leader, 17 starfighters, 1.5 times nominal speed. W for wing commander, 23 enemy starfighters, 2 times nominal speed. And S for star master, hence the title of the game, 31 starfighters, or enemy fighters, and you move the meteors and enemies move at 2.5 times nominal speed. Press the game reset button to start the mission. Your ship will be cruising through an empty sector of the galaxy. Now you must seek out the enemy and race at warp speed to meet and destroy them. Mission Operations Basically, guys, this game lives and dies by the galactic chart analysis. During the course of your mission, you'll make use of the four distinct modes of operation. Galactic chart analysis, warp travel, engaging the enemy, docking with the starbase. The galactic radar sector analysis displays the relative locations in the galaxy of your ship, indicated by a plus sign. Your starbase is shown by what looks to me like, I think they're pink, on the first level of Megamania, the little pink ships that are up there, if that helps any. And enemy starfighters, shown as white blips on the radar. There are 36 sectors of the galaxy, a 6x6 matrix, shown on the radar. The mission attack control computer, which is at the bottom of the screen, indicates a W for the energy required to warp between sectors, an S for the star date, which is the elapsed time of your mission, an E for energy remaining, uh, your ship starts with 9,999 units, and D for damage, which is the control uh, damage control status. If the t computer display is green, you're in an empty sector. If it's red, you're flying to or in a sector occupied by enemy starfighters. If it's blue, you are in or flying to a sector occupied by a starbase. Your object is to locate enemy starfighters or starbases. After consulting the MAC, select a sector of the galaxy to which to warp. That's an awkward sentence. To either engage the enemy or dock with the starbase for refueling and repairs. Moving the joystick up, down, left, or right moves your little cross, your little plus sign indicator for you on the galactic chart display and you just put it wherever on the map you want to go. Press the red button and you warp travel to that sector, burning energy as you go and having to dodge meteors that fly at you. You can lose 100 to 500 units of energy if you smash into a meteor. During warp travel the MAC provides only energy and damage control status. When you enter an enemy sector your ship's laser gun sight begins to flash indicating the presence of enemy starfighters. You're obviously trying to destroy all of those in the fastest time, using the least amount of energy. You fire your laser cannons with your uh, red button, of course. A red explosion in indicates when an enemy ship is destroyed. A blue explosion in occurs when you destroy incoming enemy fire. A yellow explosion results when your ship is hit by enemy fire. Each firing of your laser cannon requires 100 units of energy, and each time you're hit, you lose between 100 and 500 units. When all the ships have been destroyed, you, uh, your control uh, console turns from red to green, and you got to go back to the galactic chart to find another sector to travel to. The damage control status. An L indicates that laser cannons are destroyed. An S indicates that shields are destroyed. W indicates that warp engines are destroyed. And it burns, basically you have to burn more energy to travel anywhere. An R for radar destroyed, which prevents you from spotting enemy fighters on your galactic chart, although your star bases continue to appear. Whenever damage occurs, you hear an explosion whether you're monitoring your galactic chart or viewing the space around you. MAC activates the energy reserve alarm, which is a yellow hazard light on the control panel when energy drops below a thousand units. If you run out of fuel, the game is over. To repair damage or refuel, you, re you must get to a star base. You can dock with a star base basically by going to that sector on the map and putting your little uh, your ship's sights on the on the starbase and then you dock with it your energy is automatically replenished your fuel is refilled and you can take off again 
Enemy starfighters are constantly trying to surround and destroy your star bases. Only you can prevent this from occurring. When the enemy succeeds in destroying a starbase, an explosion is heard, no matter where your ship happens to be, and the starbase disappears from the galactic chart. The mission ends when all enemies are destroyed, or your ship is destroyed, or your ship runs out of energy. You can call up the galactic chart with the color black and white switch on the console and review your mission evaluation score. The base score for Ensign is 3100, for Leader 4300, for Wind Commander 5700, and for Star Master 6900. The maximum score for Ensign is 4000, for Leader 6000, for Wind Commander 8000, and for Star Master 10000. A mission evaluation score which meets or exceeds the standard set below qualifies you to be inducted into the Order of Supreme Star Master. 3800 for Ensign, 5700 for Leader, 7600 for Wind Commander, Star Master is 9000. And if you qualify, send a photograph of the television screen which displays your accomplishment. We enroll you, uh, not me, Activision, uh, enrolls you in the, uh, in the uh, whatever the hell it's called, the Order of the Supreme Star Master, and sends you a special emblem of achievement. If any of you has that, well, good for you. I am jealous. <laughs> I'm just kidding. If you want to take a picture of that emblem, if you have it, by chance, and send it to me, that would be awesome. A special training manual. This is the power of Star Master thing. A special training manual accompanies these instructions. It contains invaluable information, insight, and guidance to help you understand the special features of Star Master by Activision, and the skills and technique which can help you achieve the Order of Supreme Star Master. Read it thoroughly and practice its principles with proper dedication and training. You too can have the power of Star Master. And that is how you play Star Master. I don't know why I'm shouting. It's a shouty day, I guess. Mad Mike got me all wound up. Star Master was written for the Atari 2600 by Alan Miller came out in June of 82, similar to Atari's 8-bit computer game Star Raiders. is pretty obvious, except you don't have to use that stupid touchpad thing, which I very much appreciate, because I hated that touchpad thing, which made me in turn hate Star Raiders, even though there's not necessarily anything particularly wrong with Star Raiders. Star Master, according to Wikipedia anyway, was not ported to other systems, but has been re-released in various collections like the Activision Anthology. Miller did other games, of course, for Activision, including Ice Hockey and Robot Tank. Video Magazine's 1982 Guide to Electronic Games describes Star Master as, quote, the best space piloting game cartridge ever created for a programmable video game system. Richard A. Edwards reviewed Star Master in the Space Gamer number 55, for those of you keeping track, and commented that, quote, Star Master is very similar to the Atari 400-800 game Star Raiders. Its graphics are perhaps not quite as good, but the sound and color keys are better, and best of all, it can be played on the Atari VCS. Pick this one up. End quote. 8-Bit Central opined that, as much as I love space battle games, I rarely felt like I was really commanding a ship until Activision released Star Master. As I switched from the cockpit view to the galactic chart, I was commanding that effing ship. Oh yeah, I definitely felt immersion in this game. You may be tempted to begin by cruising the galaxy in search of enemies, but toggling the color black and white switch will bring up the galactic chart, which will show you where the enemy is concentrated and let you warp to that sector with a push of a button. It goes on to give a breakdown of the Star Master chart, of the galactic chart. The first-person cockpit view is one of the most engaging features of Star Master. Most 2600 games put you in control of a ship made up of 9 or 10 pixels. Star Master lets you look out the cockpit window as enemies, meteors, and star bases come into view. Final judgment... Activision Star Master is a first in well-done first-person POV games. It gives a moderately paced game accented by the gauges and controls. A nice feeling of game immersion. Atari HQ says it would be easy to accuse Activision of merely rehashing concepts that were pioneered by other companies. 
but that wouldn't be fair from the historic third-party publisher because they greatly expanded the gameplay of many games that they were derived from. Star Master is obviously a Star Raiders knockoff, but it's very nicely done. The complexity of Star Master is essentially in the storyline. The attempt has been made to encourage player immersion in the story. The result is that such immersion is very nearly essential, essential to any real enjoyment of gameplay. Overall, my pick among Star Raiders and its clones still and probably always will be Star Raiders on the Atari 8-bit computers. For the VCS, however, Star Master surpasses Atari's effort with fancier graphics and a few frills not found in VCS Star Raiders. It takes some time to learn how to play Star Master, but the beauty of this game, because the beauty of the game is definitely more than skin deep. Alright, well, after the break, you can master the stars, but can you master your domain? Way back in the 80s, Ed McMahon used to tell us to reach for the stars and catch them on that Star Search show. What Ed never told us, though, was what do we do with those stars once we catch them? Well, much like you have to break a bucking bronco, which is a hard sentence to say five times in a row, you have to master those stars. You have to star master them, if you will. Alright, so I'm playing, uh, I almost said Star Search. I'm playing Star Master on the leader level. Let's see what horrible carnage comes from that. Alright, I'm warping. The warping effect looks pretty good. Stars are moving at uh, star speed. So I reach over to the console and hit the black and white color switch, which doesn't excite me a whole lot. I don't like having to fiddle with the switches on the console in the middle of the game. Oh, where should I go? I don't need a star base yet. Let's go where the action is. There's a whole, whole clump of stuff. Uh, oh, I guess I should mention, I'm on the leader level, my warp energy thing, I don't know, what is that, W, oh, the energy required, about 300 units, it's star date 11, okay, and I have, like, almost all my energy, because the game just started, alright, well, that's enough of that, let's warp, wait, what'd I do, oh, yeah, okay, Boom. Let's warp. Look out for that meteor. I feel like uh, Rerun's mom riding her bike. I smashed into the uh, meteor that probably did some damage. I could go look, I guess. Oh, there's something I can shoot. Wait. No, that's a starbase. A long time when I was playing this game, I thought that was what I was supposed to be shooting. And I couldn't figure out why there was nothing else going on. As it happens, there is nothing else going on in this sector, so, alright. Let's go to a different sector. There's a bunch of stuff. Ooh, my computer readout thing at the bottom of the screen is red. I just got smashed by a meteor again. That's probably not good. Ooh, and again. Ooh, I'm flashing. Ooh, there's something I can shoot. Wait, no, that's a meteor. My laser... Oh, there's a wet enemy. Ah, I shot him. Ooh, but everything's flashing red. That's probably not good. Still flashing. So where's the thing I want to shoot? That's a star base. Where's the bad guy? The bad guys hide behind the meteors. They're jerks. Oh. Oh, man. 
Alright, well, that was less than stellar. Uh, stellar, like stars. Even in death, I'm hilarious. Um, Alright, back to you in the studio. Hey everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games, which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's X-E-G-S, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail, because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. So here's the thing about Star Master. I didn't like Star Raiders very much because it was too busy for an Atari game. And honestly, I kind of feel that way about... What the hell is this game called? I kind of feel this way about Star Master. I find it less off-putting than Star Raiders, for whatever that's worth. But, and it looks good. I think maybe if I spent a little more time with it and got a little more comfortable with the idea of having to go back and forth to the galactic map... And, you know, back to the battle, back to the galactic map, and toggling the switch on the console, which I'm not a fan of. But right now, I kind of feel like I'd rather just pick up a a space battle-type game where I can just fly through the galaxy and shoot stuff. That feels more like an Atari game to me. You know, Activision, I still love you. I don't hate this game. But it's kind of like, eh. I could probably have more fun with a different Activision title than this one. For what it's worth, I I mentioned Wing Commander earlier. I was never a big fan of the whole, you gotta toggle this, you gotta toggle that, you gotta look at the airspeed, whatever, whatever you had to do in Wind Commander, all the little detail stuff. I just wanted to fly around and shoot things. And I kind of feel that way about this game too. So, that's just me. It's not a knock on the game necessarily. And like I said, big step up for me from Star Raiders. Um, but, yeah. So, your mileage may vary, but that's, that's, uh, that's how I come out on this. But that's all okay, because we're really just here for the story, right? What was Bill inspired to write about Star Master this week? This week's story is titled, Star Master, Feel the Afterburn. Space Force Commander Dax Jericho leaned in closer. Do it now, she shouted. Your future depends on it. A chime signaled an incoming call from Starbase Command. With a reluctant sigh, Jericho stopped her recording. At least she stopped on a pretty good tagline, so that was something. She pressed the comm button. Jericho here, she said. Commander Jericho, the captain barked somewhat unnecessarily. There was no one else on her ship. Starbase 2 is under attack. Prepare to intercept the invading fleet. Sir, Jericho started to protest. There are a number of battlecruisers in this sector who could engage. Jericho knew her duty, of course, but shore leave was rare and she had other things to take care of. No time, the captain grunted. Yours is the only ship in intercept range. Shore leave is canceled. The call abruptly terminated. Damn it, Jericho thought. How am I going to finish this promo spot now? She pulled up the galactic chart and the Mac, or mission attack control computer, and, well, there were a number of star bases. If they weren't destroyed, there could be a lot of new Star Master customers. That was something to consider. A voice echoed from a computer panel behind her. Her own voice, actually, from a recording promising that the Star Master is the only piece of exercise equipment that will take you to the end of the universe with its durable but lightweight construction. 
The voice blared over a video of an attractive man and a woman in silver leotards hopping around at contraptions with five star-like points. To the end of the universe, Jericho muttered as she watched. Now she just had to make sure the universe, and all its potential markets, survived. Jericho glanced at several dozen boxes of Star Masters strapped to the aft wall of the ship, her entire stock. She'd depleted all the credits in her savings, but she was certain this home colony exercise equipment was going to be just the thing to put her on the star map. Yeah, she'd said that about the Cosmic Core Cruncher and the Abdromeda 2000, but this time, this time was different. It had to be. The loan sharks of Cantera 7 were getting eager to have their loan repaid, and they were actual sharks who walked on two legs and had arms where their fins would be, and laser cannons where, where the hands on those arms would be. You do not want to mess with these guys. An SOS from Starbase 2 came across Jericho's readout. She sighed and reluctantly activated the warp drive. Jericho entered the coordinates and her ship streaked toward the besieged Starbase. Starbase 2, Jericho said, opening a communications channel. This is Commander Dax Jericho. Space Force has received your distress call. A volley of laser blasts drowned out the Starbase's response. As Jericho armed the starboard laser tank, she asked, Hey, by the way, who handles purchasing for the Starbase General Store? But no one responded. The Starbase communications array was decimated by the invaders' weapons. Damn it! Jericho said, then fired two laser cannons, destroying both ships she aimed at. I was on a sales call. Another wave of black dreadnoughts swarmed in. Behind them, a much larger silver-streaked ship, clearly the commander of that fleet, approached. As Jericho plugged away at the other ships, she was struck by a futility as deep as the universe itself. What am I doing out here, she thought. The endless space battles. And for what? To win a brief little pause to take a piss before the next space battle? Even if I destroy all these invaders, and I could, I'm pretty good. More will come, and if they destroy me, another Space Force ship will arrive. Of course, I'll be dead. Jericho lingered on the last thought for a while. Dead. Finished without fulfilling her life's purpose, tightening the buns of beings across the galaxy with the Star Master. It was time to finish this. She hailed the silver enemy command ship. A robotic voice said, Emperor Supreme is currently assisting other customers with being blasted out of existence. Please hold. Alien pan flute hold music reverberated off the hull of the ship. Jericho checked her ears for blood. Moments passed. Then longer moments passed. Then moments so long, they embarrassed themselves by calling themselves mere moments. Jericho was starting to get nervous. What was Emperor Supreme up to? To burn off some nervous energy, Jericho pulled out one of the three-foot square Star Masters from the storage crates. Silver star points glinting in the glow of the computer screens registering laser blasts on the starbase. Jericho stepped into the footholds and wheeled around the ship's hold, legs pumping to the long, since public domain, when you wish upon a star, warbling from the unit. Suddenly the view screen clicked on. Apparently this was to be a video chat. The screen was filled with the jolly, liquidy mess that was the Emperor Supreme of the race Cow Tato. The Emperor regarded Dax Jericho with a mix of disdain and confusion. Emperor, how nice, Jericho said. I'm Commander Dax Jericho of Earth's Space Force. Jericho suddenly realized she had no idea what to say next. Uh, we accept your surrender, the Emperor laughed. Everyone behind him, taking the cue, started to laugh as well. Wait, Jericho said, thinking they were laughing at her suggestion. We haven't even heard my terms yet. The Emperor pointed a bony finger. What is that contraption? Jericho was confused. Oh, this? It's a Star Master. She brightened. My own creation. The latest innovation. The machine that will train every nation and planet to tone, flatten, tighten, 
whatever change your body needs. Jericho took a spin around the ship's hold on the star-shaped machine. It's like zooming across the stars while you shred your abs. The Emperor's face darkened. You control... a star? Well, sort of, I guess, Jericho said. How many can I put you down for? Arm the main cannon, Prime Emperor said. Direct all fire on the demon Starmaster. Wait, what? Jericho said, then suddenly realized what the Emperor said. She had only just time to dive into the escape pod, then watch the Cow-Tato weaponry blaster ship to smithereens, taking her entire inventory of Star Masters with it. Well, so much for that get-rich plan. And that, kids, is why you should never exercise. And that's our show. My thanks to Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks also to Mike Mann for his Mad Mike Hughes update theme. You can find Atari Bytes on many podcatchers, but do remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You don't need to master the stars, but you do need to master your feelings about this show. You can also support this show financially. Please consider doing so by going to the Atari Bytes B-Y-T-E-S, Patreon page. The website is ataribytes.libsyn.com. You can email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the Atari Bytes, the Atari Bytes Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. And occasionally I post some weirdness on Instagram, so check that out as well. Don't forget also to check out, while you're checking things out, my other show, It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown, for all your animated Peanuts gang needs. You know you are a huge Snoopy fan, don't deny it, or you know somebody who is. This show, every month, takes on pretty much anything in the Peanuts universe. The comic strip, the TV shows, the movies, the merchandise, the mind of Charles Schultz himself. If it's even tangentially related to the Peanuts gang, we're going to talk about it on that podcast. So do check that out. Next time on Atari Bytes. Astro Blast. I don't know what this game is but I'm guessing it's astronomical and something gets blasted. I'll try to elaborate next week. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.